You're listening to the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. College football today. Rolling into week number nine, Helter Skelter Saturday. Huge matchups taking place across the nation later today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, we were talking about Georgia Tech and Clemson. Clemson's won four of the last five by 19.5 points per game. Picked this victory up in Bobby Dodd Stadium last year, 26-7. Talking about a Clemson defense, Rich, that's holding opposing offenses to 108 rushing yards per game and only 180 passing yards through the air. They're going up against a Georgia Tech offense that's rushing for 372 yards per game. To me, it doesn't matter. I think it does come down to the physicality of the Clemson defensive line. I think they win this ballgame convincingly, 24 points or more later today. The area of concern for me, Joe, with regard to Clemson, and Clemson will win this game. I think they'll bounce back. I don't know if they lose another game this season. I think they got their one loss out of the way against Syracuse. But the offense, Kelly Bryant's been solid, but he's not 100%. uh, Got concussed uh, Friday night against Syracuse. Has had an ankle issue. And one of the real trappings of Kelly Bryant has been his mobility. Good passer, very good runner. He's going to be hobbled. He's not at 100%. And Georgia Tech, you know, they have struggled against the Clemson defense, but the ability to take the air out of the ball, slow down the tempo of a game, run it with Taquan Marshall and Cervante Benson, their B-back, I think that'll be just enough to get a cover. I could see Clemson winning this game by 12, 13 points. But the Clemson offense, that's my issue. We still don't have a true number one running back. We don't have a number one receiver. The offensive line has been good, but, but with Kelly Bryan at less than 100%. I think they'll struggle to score. And by the way, you know this, because I know you've been on Georgia Tech a number of times this year, the Yellow Jacket defense has been surprisingly good this season. Very good, particularly on third down. So I think this could be an offensive struggle for Clemson. They win the game, but I don't think they cover the 14 Really? Well, I, we'll see how it plays out. I mean, here's what I look at when I, and you're right about Clemson's offense, but what I look at is the wide receiver core of Deion Kane, Hunter Renfro, Ray Ray McLeod. They've combined for 88 receptions, only three receiving touchdowns, but I think they're able to stretch Georgia uh, Georgia Tech's defense vertically. To me, that's the matchup you want to see play out. You mentioned Georgia Tech. I mean, they are a balanced offense in terms of uh, third down conversions, converting 51% of their third down attempts and holding opposing offenses to 29% on their third down attempts. That's the matchup. Force uh, Clemson into third down and long situations. Give your secondary a chance. I just feel it's a speed advantage, not just offensively for Clemson. It is the defensive front. You look at Cleveland, uh, Farrell, and Austin Bryant, five and a half sacks apiece. They enter this matchup, 28 total sacks, Rich, but they're dominant forces that could disrupt the timing of the triple option. Yeah, it won't be so much the defensive lineman because sacks won't be an issue against the triple option of Georgia Tech. Dorian O'Daniel, the linebacker of Clemson, he has really impressed me. This could be the kind of game against a run-based offense where he's around 14 or 15 tackles. That's the one defender for Clemson. But again, I'll go back to the Clemson offense. They need to get that fixed. If they're going to go on to win an ACC title and compete for another national championship, they have to become more potent on that side of the ball. Yeah, I think they put up 45 points on Georgia Tech's defense a little bit later tonight. It is an 8 o'clock kick, so keep an eye out. Rich likes Georgia Tech with the points. I like Clemson. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the cocktail party, Georgia and Florida. Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. 
The award-winning Fantasy Sports Radio Network is your free fantasy source 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. You can catch this show and many others live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network app, iHeartRadio, or TuneIn Radio. Want to listen on your computer at work? Go to FNTSY.com slash radio or check us out on YouTube Live on the Fantasy Sports Network YouTube page where you can ask questions, discuss topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your questions on the air. The number is 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 days a year fantasy sports network of its kind without a subscription. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your fantasy source. SEC East battle, 3.30 later today in Jacksonville. It is Georgia. It is Florida. The Gators have won three straight over the Dogs by 18.6 points per game. But this is a Georgia offense that's come around under Kirby Smart. They're averaging 282 rushing yards per game, passing for 171 yards through the air. They're going up against a secondary in Florida, Rich, that has held opposing offenses to 50% completion percentage, Nine passing touchdowns, but I like Sony Michelle, Nick Chubb, and Jacob Fromm to get the win. I just think it's going to be a lot closer than people think later today. You know, the last eight times since that uh, Georgia has entered the co- can we say cocktail Don't party say still? Can we Don't say cocktail party? Yeah, you party? can say Is it on okay? the show. Yeah, of course. Yeah, cocktail party. The last eight times that Georgia has entered the cocktail party as an AP top 25 team. <sighs> Seven losses. So, I mean, that's why Georgia is spooked by this game and is spooked by Florida because traditionally they have struggled. Florida has won 21 of the last 27 between these rivals. But I love Georgia in this game. This is a new era. It's a new era under Kirby Smart. That Georgia defense versus this Florida offense, which is absolutely necrotic. Felipe Franks struggling behind center. I like Malik Davis. They have had some success running the ball, Florida has. But the speed of that Georgia defense at every level. Trenton Thompson is expected back at defensive tackle. I'm going to say this could be the best linebacking core in the entire country. Roquan Smith, David Bellamy, Lorenzo Carter. Those guys go from sideline to sideline as fast as anybody in the country. Jake Fromm is getting more comfortable. You touched on the the running game with Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb. I know this is a rivalry game, and I know the Dogs have struggled. But I think this is a breakout moment for them in Jacksonville against Florida. I think they cover this game, win it by 17 points win it comfortably, finally, I think Georgia gets over the hump against Florida. I hope you are so right on this game. As a Georgia Bulldog fan, that's why. I mean, you worry about these matchups as they get closer and closer to a perfect season. I can tell you this, as Georgia's defense, it is eerily similar to what Kirby Smart had in Alabama, holding opposing offenses to 83 rushing yards per game, and more importantly that secondary, holding opposing offenses to 170 passing yards per game. The question mark that I have for Georgia's defense in this matchup is sacks, Rich. Seven games, 10 total sacks last year. They did have 29 sacks, and 23 of them came in the last six games of the season. They're going to need to force Felipe Franks into third down and long situations, and more importantly, force quick throws underneath coverage. Can they do it later today? 
Yeah, I, I don't. I'd like to see more sacks. I think there's going to be a time where Georgia has to put more pressure on the quarterback. Could be the Auburn game. Could be an SEC championship game. And it's a bit surprising too because you look at the speed off the edge that they have with those outside linebackers with the defensive line that that Kirby has. It's a bit of a surprise. I think it could be somewhat endemic to the type of games that they've played. I mean, the only close game that they played has been the Notre Dame game. They won by one point. Every other game, they've won by three touchdowns. So is it possible that they haven't had to dial up pressure in the second half of games? I don't know if they will in this game either because I could see Felipe Franks in a lot of third and long situations. They're going to play to stop the run. Again, Malik Davis has been impressive. I, I really have liked the opportunities that he has had this season since Scarlett has been out. Malik Davis's role has increased and he's made the most of it. But I don't think they can run. This is a one-dimensional offense, Joe. To try to run against that Georgia defense is going to be very difficult for Florida. I think the only way Florida covers in this game is if they get a non-offensive touchdown. It's going to have to be something from special teams. It's going to have to be a pick six because the offense, strictly the offense of Florida against the Georgia defense, I think they're good for about one, two, maybe three field goals. I wouldn't be shocked at all if they don't get into the uh, into the end zone against Georgia. Well, I agree with you. I, mean, I am expecting Georgia to win this ball game later today. I just when you see that big number, you're expecting them to dominate. And when both teams do have an extra week of preparation, that's my concern. And I look at Florida's defense; they're going to force Jake Fromm to beat them over the top. Let's make no mistake about it. You look at Sony Michelle and Nick Chubb; they've combined for 1,180 rushing yards, 14 rushing touchdowns, and Jake Fromm has played well in the system. He's completing 62% of his passes, 1,262 yards, 12 touchdowns, three interceptions, Rich, but you know this is a veteran defense in Florida. They're going to stack the box and force Jacob Fromm to stretch them vertically, and he's going to have to do it in this ballgame. Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, Florida's Florida's methodology will have to be to stop the run and and put the pressure on the young kid to to deliver. I, I think he will. I think he will. He has I hope stepped he up. Does. Yeah, he's stepped up a number of times this season. Has not played like a true freshman. Again, to me, the big concern that I have is the Florida offense. I can't get beyond Felipe Franks. And let's take it off the field for a moment. It has not been a good past couple of weeks for Jim McElwain. You know, I, I don't I don't think it's fair necessarily, but Jim McElwain is starting to feel a lot of heat that he's been unable to get Florida over the hump. Yes, back-to-back SEC East titles, but it's a weak SEC East. I think Gator fans are looking for something more. They've lost back-to-back close emotional games. I know they'll be up for Georgia. There's been talk of of death threats towards the Florida coaches and players. So it's been a very odd past couple of weeks for Florida away from the field. I think there's a there's a troubling tide in Gainesville. You had the spate of uh of uh you know kids that were out uh, at the beginning of the season, kids that were were dissed from the team. I think Florida is in trouble right now, and I think if Georgia puts its foot on the pedal, I think they could run away with this game in the second half. It's intriguing the mentality of college football fan bases because Jim McElwain, as you mentioned, did bring back-to-back SEC East titles to Gainesville. He's receiving more pressure than, in my opinion, Butch Jones in Knoxville that really hasn't had an SEC East title in five years. Maybe he raised the bar to the point, you know, you you look at any sport as an escalation, right? You kind of, you know, you get into the postseason, you get a bowl game, 
then you win a division title. Well, the next step for Jim McElwain and the Gators is to win an SEC title. So they they look as if they've plateaued. If they lose today, they're certainly not going to you know they have any chance of winning an SEC East. So you know now you're starting to go backwards, three and three team. You're regressing into his third season for Jim McElwain. So. I think there's a lot of pressure on both he and his kids. I, I don't think this is going to be a positive ending for the Gators in Jacksonville. Yeah, I see Georgia winning a very low-scoring game, 28-17. Florida ekes into the number. They don't dominate in any way, shape, or form. Georgia does get the win convincingly, but by Vegas standards, right. I do like Florida in this 14, matchup. 14, 14 and a half. half in yeah, that area. I, I, think it's, I think it's between 17 and 20. And you know, Once Florida gets down, they don't have the type of offense that can rally. I, I think Georgia Georgia and Kirby Smart can pin their ears back. And having lost three in a row, those juniors and seniors that have not beaten this Florida team, I think they're going to be bloodthirsty in the second half. So I I think they'll continue to put the pressure on and really pound Florida, not to the same level as the Tennessee game, but something similar to that. I think they're really going to want to put a hurting on Florida. We'll see how that game plays out. That is a 3.30 start as well. We're going to be locked and loaded at 3.30 because there are so many marquee games. You need multiple TVs. I suggest you come down to Rock and Riley's with us and watch these games play out great place to watch games a little bit later today. We'll turn our attention to an 8 o'clock kick. It is Texas Tech and Oklahoma. You look at Oklahoma since 2012, Rich. They have 5-0 and over the Red Raiders and have won these games by 16.8 points per game. They got a very close victory last week in Manhattan, eking out Kansas State 42-35. to I love Baker Mayfield. Yeah, I think a Texas Tech loses this ball game twenty eight points or more later today. Yeah, listen, I'm I'm concerned about Texas Tech despite the fact that I, I have them as one of my best bets. It's more of an anti Oklahoma pick at this point. I, I am so disgusted by Oklahoma's defense. I am. I'm actually disgusted. Last week against Kansas State, Alex Delton, very fast, very athletic quarterback, clearly a one dimensional offense. They could not stop Kansas State. They couldn't stop Baylor. They couldn't stop Iowa State with a backup quarterback. So now here comes Texas Tech cornered a little bit on their heels. Cliff Kingsbury knows that he has to compete in this game. So Nick Shimonic, Texas Tech against that Oklahoma defense. Oklahoma wins this game, not picking an upset, but the Sooners looking ahead to Bedlam next week against Oklahoma State, struggling on defense. Yeah, Oklahoma will score a ton of points, but I think Texas Tech scores as well. The key for me is Cliff Kingsbury game planning against the Oklahoma defense and Texas Tech finding a way to get Justin Stockton, the running back, involved in the offense. Listen, opponents are daring. They're begging Texas Tech to run the ball. Take advantage of that. You got a good back in Justin Stockton. Use him, balance it out. I think they cover the 20 points as Oklahoma starts to look ahead to the Cowboys. The one thing I don't like about Cliff Kingsbury and Texas Tech over the last three and a half years, I've been on them. They're 10 and 21 in the Big 12. When you can't win in the conference, that's a testament to your head coach. So we'll see how it plays out. When we come back, we'll be joined by former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen. This is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonello live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34.
Did you know that you can listen to this show live on the award-winning Fancy Sports Radio Network? Listen on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn Radio app, or download the Fancy Sports Radio Network app. The Fancy Sports Radio Network is the only totally free, 24-7, 365 Fancy Sports Network of its kind without a subscription. Check out YouTube Live on the Fancy Sports Network YouTube page and participate in the program in there, where you can ask questions, discuss the topics with other fantasy enthusiasts, or tell everyone that you disagree. Call into your favorite show and ask your question. The number is 844-84-FNTSY. That's 844-843-6879. The Fantasy Sports Radio Network, your free fantasy source, 24 hours a day. Battle in Jacksonville, Georgia, Florida. It doesn't get better than this. If you want the info, you reach out to a big-time player for the dogs. He's live on the Fantasy Sports Celebrity Guest Line. Want to welcome in former Georgia Bulldog wide receiver Corey Allen. Corey, how are you today? Joe, we're extremely excited down here in SEC country, especially for the Bulldog Nation. We've got what we've been waiting for for the last, it feels like, 12 months of waiting. To get back to this point, couldn't be happier. Corey, you know in 1997, you dominated the Gators by 20 points. Robert Edwards, my favorite all-time Georgia Bulldog running back, did have four rushing touchdowns. I know this rivalry is very close to your heart. Tell fans what it means to play in this matchup later today. I tell you what, Joe, this is one of those rivalry games where you really can throw the records out of the window because each team is ready to face each other and they're ready to go uh, tooth and nail to try to find victory. This is an emotional game. The recruiting wars are being faced in this type of matchup. The coaches really seem to be on two different spectrums right now when you look at McIlwain and his uh, two-time SEC visits. But right now, Florida's really struggling. And then Kirby Smart, we, we're really excited in Bulldog country because he has the team pointing in the right direction. So this is really uh, a rivalry game that's going to play itself out. We hope the rain and the weather doesn't uh, deter the talent, but we also acknowledge that on both sides of the field, uh, these kids are ready to compete against each other regardless of who's ranked and who's not. This is an emotional battle, and I think uh, it's going to play itself out really uh, on the field today. Corey, Joe and I talked uh, a little bit about the, the recent struggles, really more of a generational struggle that Georgia has had with Florida. Is, is it possible to pinpoint why that has played out as it has really for, for the better part of the past quarter century? Really, the only thing that you can look at is recruiting and coaching. I mean, the players themselves, we all understand that, you know, the matchups are going to play themselves out on the field, but it has been lopsided. And to be, uh, to be completely honest with you, Rich, you know, Georgia is looking to flip this script and change the tenure of this, uh, this matchup here as we go forward. Florida has dominated over the last 15 to 20 years, and that's been primarily behind offense. And at this point, both teams are really relying on the defensive side of the ball, especially the University of Georgia, but we also have a stronger offense. So going into the future, not trying to look too far behind because I don't want to hold the record against the current staff. Kirby Smart has nothing to do with what Georgia's done previously outside of his playing days, and neither do the players on the field. They need to acknowledge what's going to happen today. And I really hope that they can take that next step because it is a, a very much a mental battle. Uh, you're playing in Jacksonville. You're not at home. It's always a trip to Florida for the Bulldogs. But you really need to step up, uh, play with the fans and the emotion that the fans give you, and acknowledge uh, the guys on the other side of the field are definitely not going to be afraid. 
Corey, when you look at the Georgia quarterback, Jacob Fromm, he's went on the road. He beat uh, Notre Dame in South Bend. He went on the road and dominated uh, Tennessee in Knoxville. The defense, you know, stepped up in that ball game. Now he's in his first true rivalry game. How important is it for Georgia to start fast from an offensive perspective to take that pressure off of him later today? Most case scenarios, you want your freshman quarterback to have the best uh, situation in front of him. And, and, and the best thing that the Georgia offense could do is put points up early. But to be honest with you, in this scenario, Joe, Jake Fromm is in a, a much different position because he has a defense that he can really lean on. We're not going to be afraid to punt the football early. We would love to get up on Florida, but the defense that Georgia is going to walk onto that field is going to be extremely stingy. Florida is right now facing a lot of suspensions with players missing and you know controversy at the quarterback spot. Even McIlwain is looking in the mirror to try to figure out how long he'll be there. Because they have so much on their plate, our main goal on the offensive side of the ball is to not turn the ball over, don't make mistakes, and not give that Florida offense a short field by putting them in great position. Rely on that defense. Don't be afraid to punt. Because in the end, in the second half, I think Georgia's going to pull away with the talent, with the game plan, and Jake Fromm is going to be steady. He doesn't have to win the game on his own, which is really the best thing for the dog. Corey, uh, talk about year-over-year progress for this program. Good team last year, Kirby's first season, Jacob Eason at the time, a true freshman behind center. But this year, Georgia looks like they're on the brink of being one of those elite teams that can play for an SEC title, possibly a national championship. What are some of the changes that you've seen year one for Kirby versus year two? I think the attitude of the players is much different. I think last year, in Kirby's first year, losing the games that he lost, we lost a lot of rivalry matchup games. We lost to Florida. We lost to Georgia Tech. We struggled in that last-minute bomb against Tennessee. All of the matchups from last year like that has helped to reinforce the message that Kirby has given for these players moving forward. Right now, we've got a much more veteran defense. We've got guys on the offensive side. That have been in the system a little bit uh, a little bit longer now, so I think it's just put the Bulldogs in a position to build some consistency and understand that what their coach is telling them plays out on the field. And if you work hard in the off season, which is what they've done in the off season, along with bringing in top tier talent, you got to have the players to make it work on the field. Kirby Smart's done a, a great job. He and his staff, especially when you consider Dell McGee being named Recruiter of the Year, they're getting the players in, they're coaching them up, and the players are taking heed to the message that's being given to them over the last two years. Corey, I want to uh, talk about the offense a line because it wasn't a strong suit of the offense entering the season but they've really gelled down the stretch here they're they're rushing for 282 rushing yards on the ground opening up huge holes for Nick Chubb and Sony Michelle what do you see out of the offensive line and more importantly what could they do moving forward that can really challenge Alabama should they get to the SEC championship so the game's going to be won in the trenches on both sides of the ball, whether we look at the offense or defensive line. And right now on Georgia's offensive line, you got kids like Isaiah Wynn and Gilliard over at the center position who've transitioned into new positions, and they've had a strong showing thus far. they got a great backfield behind them. So that offensive line, even with some young parts like Thomas at right tackle, a true freshman, those guys have gelled and gotten better week to week this season, and they're going to have to continue to do so. Right now, Georgia is really looked at as a team that likes to run the ball and you can't help it when you consider Sonny Michelle or Nick Chubb or even number seven, our young freshman running back Swift. We've got a lot of talent in the backfield. Even Isaiah Holyfield, excuse me, Atlanta, excuse me, Elijah Holyfield. But the, the long story short is the line has gotten better, will continue to get better. 
today it doesn't have to be a 400-yard passing game. We just have to do enough to win the ball game. And then week to week, Kirby makes sure that we get uh, we get ready for the team uh, coming up. So I feel very good about the offensive line and the progress that they've made. It's really been impressive, especially in the running game when people know we want to run the ball. Uh, Corey, Joe brought up an interesting t- uh, statistic when he and I were talking about the game today. Uh, Georgia, as dominant as the defense has been, just 10 sacks through seven games. Bit of a surprise considering the the edge pressure and the talent with Lorenzo Carter and David Bellamy. Is that a product of the system, uh, blowouts that Georgia's playing? Is that something that we should be concerned about going forward on the defensive side of the ball? I think pass rush and pressure is always going to be something that is looked at as a defensive strength that we need to continue to work towards. But at the same time, because of the things that we've mentioned as far as Georgia liking to run the ball, especially with having over 200 yards in the average, that does consume time and that does put teams against the against the wall a little bit as far as how many plays they can run. So the big thing for Georgia is to continue to work on that edge pass rush. We do have a lot of effective pass rushes up the middle, especially when you look at Roquan Smith and the rest of the line back in core, but you are exactly right. When you look at Davin Bellamy and Lorenzo Carter, you, you do look to see more sacks actually taking place, and I think that's one thing that we've emphasized. The main thing that we want our linebackers to do is to not lose the contain aspect because the defense is built on responsibility, and as long as those guys continue to play as a cohesive unit, we should be in good shape as a Bulldog defense. Corey, I want to stick on the defensive side of the ball. I feel that Florida will attack Georgia on the perimeter with the mobility of Felipe Franks from a defensive perspective. How do you see Kirby Smart? Do you put the ball into Felipe Franks' hands and force you to beat through over the top of your secondary today? I think that's the best thing to do because the one thing you cannot afford is for Florida's, Florida's rushing game to become effective because that will set up any passes and play-action passes. Our secondary, after playing against a team like Missouri and letting two 64-yard bombs go out over their head and in, in, in between the hedges, I think that was a clear-cut uh, notice for the defense to understand that, hey, we have to clean these things up. Kirby Smart's mentioned all week with the fact that our secondary is going to have to be ready. Felipe Franks has a huge arm, and the one thing he can do is let it rip down the field on a long rope. Uh, his best attributes this season has been under 10-yard passing. So they set up their deep ball with short passes, and we have to just maintain our responsibilities, especially as a secondary. we got some strong guys, especially at the safety spot, who really need to keep their heads up and make sure that their deep is the deepest because that's Florida's big chance. The big play is what the secondary has to prevent. Corey, uh, great insight and information from a big-time player between the hedges. We love to get you on. Should Georgia dominate this ball game? I know you're picking Georgia. You want to throw out a score? I tell you what, uh, to be honest with you, Joe, this is one of those flips, and I think Georgia is really going to try to take advantage of it. I see the Bulldogs coming out on top big in the second half. I've got a 17-point spread, 37-20. to 20. Florida sneaks in two scores late to clean it up, 37-20 dogs by a lot. Wow, Corey Allen with Rich Sermonello. Yeah. Domination later I, I today. I kind of agree with that assessment. High scoring, though. Yeah, I, I agree mm. with that assessment. I mean, 37 points against the Florida defense would be impressive. Georgia's, Georgia's offense has not been potent. They haven't really been explosive all season, but I agree with Corey. I, I think this is one of those times where you've seen sort of a flip in the personnel, flip in the trends of two rivalry programs if Georgia is going to seize on that advantage, now is the time to do it. And again, I think in the second half, 
There's no looking ahead to next week. I think they're going to want to take advantage and really put their foot on the throat of the Gators. And Corey was subdued. He had a huge reception in 1997 over former Florida cornerback Fred Weary. About a 35-yard reception that set up a Robert Edwards touchdown run. But he didn't want to say that. He I was know. being humble. 1997, I, I was in Knoxville, Tennessee watching that ball game. But that's a, a different story for a different show. When we come back, we'll be breaking down uh, the top 25 battles with game time decisions. So Gabe Morenci, this is Joe Lisi and Rich Sermonella live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network, Studio 34. If you're playing daily fantasy basketball on DraftKings or FanDuel this NBA season, you need to sign up for Daily Roto. Built by a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. Better yet, you can save 10% off using the promo code FNTSY. So go to dailyroto.com backslash premium to learn more about their product. Matchups taking place in about an hour and a half. We kick off the 12 o'clock. If you want to talk about the gambling perspective, the Vegas angle, you bring in Game Time Decisions host, Gabe Morenci. Gabe joins us. Gabe, I know you're locked and loaded. You're ready for 12 o'clock later today. Yeah, we're fired up uh, for uh, fired up for an afternoon of football this afternoon, uh, guys. You know... There's a, there's a big debate, and you know people have bet on college football approach it in different ways. Uh, some guys uh, like to bet on the Sun Belt or the MAC and feel as though they have an advantage um, in the in the lower tier conferences that not a lot of people pay attention to. And you know you you have others who think that's crazy. They don't want to put their money on a South Alabama. They don't want to trust a a um, a team uh, from the MAC or a team from the Sun Belt. They like to bet on big time. Uh, college football i'm somewhere in between you know i like to bet on everything so i'm somewhere in between uh but today you know, a great a great afternoon of college uh football really looking forward to the 330 uh slate it's as good as it gets so it's just it, it's football weather right now fall has finally arrived on the east coast and in the midwest um, the pressure starts to tighten we were pretty much the playoffs are pretty much started as brian kelly uh, stated you know, people talking about Notre Dame in a letdown situation. I really don't know uh, how you have a letdown uh, situation in college football when every week is so important. But as far as the early uh, card is concerned, and I'm going with less is more uh, this week, uh, guys. I'm going to start off with this Oklahoma State-West Virginia football game in which I think we've got a live dog here with the West Virginia Mountaineers. You know, two losses on the season, uh, both by seven points. Um, you know, the first game of the year against uh, Virginia Tech. Uh, they were working out the kinks of this offense, and this offense is really starting uh, to find its rhythm right now. You know, Will Greer looks like a different quarterback on, in this offense than he did uh, with the Florida Gators. You know, they're averaging 53 points a game at home, guys. And I know Joe's a big numbers guy, so I don't have to tell Joe this. But two, two explosive offenses, uh, yet, you know, this is a tough place to play. It's a tough place to play. 
Um, they're three and zero at home. They're three and zero against the spread, and they're also three and zero to the over. I think the number's a little too low here at seventy two and a half. Whenever you're betting on an underdog, you always want to bet on a team that's going to be able to uh, to come back if they're trailing. If we're down by ten, if we're down by fourteen, if we're down by seventeen, do we do we have an offense that'll be able to uh, come back and punch a ticket through the back door? And West Virginia is that offense. Yet I don't think it's going to get that uh, to get to that point. I think they're going to trade blows all afternoon long here, guys. I think the spread's too high. I think Oklahoma State are going to be in for the fight of their life just to win this football game. I'm going to take West Virginia plus the seven and a half. It was eight. This number's been bouncing around. Uh, last night, uh, Oklahoma State were laying eight. Money's starting to come back in on West Virginia. I'm surprised that the number's not six, six and a half, even if that high. West Virginia don't get respect, and they're not getting any respect from the odds makers here, and I'll take advantage of it. I'll even take a shot, a puncher's uh, chance here on a West Virginia money line plus 250, and I'm all about the money lines, guys. This afternoon at 3.30, I think it's going to be upset city. Oh, that that's uh, intriguing. Let's jump right to 3.30, the big games, Penn State, Ohio State, NC State, Notre Dame. I'm dying to hear what your thoughts are, Gabe, on uh, those two key matchups in the middle of the day. Well, as a uh, as a Michigan as a Michigan fan, you know I, I can't really say what I'd like to see uh, what happened uh, today at this stadium, <laughs> all right. Uh, but I've got to make a pick on this game, and you know this is the game I'm looking most forward to actually. And I'll ask you guys this after if you can only watch one of the games. Uh, but nobody's uh, gotten rich betting against Urban Meyer, specifically in a revenge situation. And number two, specifically when uh, when he's got time to prepare uh, for a football team, uh, devastating numbers: fourteen and zero straight up um, in this situation. Thirteen zero and one. All right, uh, when he's coming off a bye, or at least we should state since uh, one loss. The only time he ever lost in this situation was to Big Ben Roethlisberger, believe it or not, when he was at Bowling Green. So since then, he's fourteen and zero in these situations, but I don't think enough people are talking about Penn State. First off, let's throw out all the numbers, and let's just say I think Penn State are a better football team than Ohio State are. Ohio State have a lot of blue-chip uh, talent, but we've seen over the last couple of years they've had a hard time putting this, putting this together, and I find it comical, actually, that Penn State are getting criticized, and I see a lot of people out there stating, who is Penn State beaten? They haven't played anybody. Who's Michigan? You know, oh, you know, they struggled against Iowa. Yeah, so what? So um, so Ohio State get credit for beating up UNLV now? You know, the, the one tough game Ohio State played, they lost. I'm not stating Ohio State's mystique is gone or anything like that. And I'm not, uh, I'm not drunk and I'm not hungover, okay? But what I am telling you is there, people aren't fearing Ohio State like they used to. Penn State aren't taking the field intimidated today. They think they can win this game outright, and I don't think that, I don't see any reason why they can't either. I think they got a better quarterback. I think they have a better offense. I think defensively they match up well against an Ohio State football team that has a hard time throwing the football. Ohio State always look a lot better when they're kicking the snot out of Rutgers and they're running around and JT Barrett's making plays. You know, they don't look as good when they're forced to make plays against a football team that's putting points. Ohio State don't play a lot of close games. They just don't. They should have lost that game to Michigan last year. It wasn't a freaking first down, all right? It's not as though they're masterful in close games. And we saw they got overwhelmed by Clemson. 
Um, you know, they, they lose to Oklahoma. To me, Ohio State aren't as uh, lethal and as dangerous on both sides of the football as they used to be. I think Penn State win this game outright. So, obviously, I'll take the points. I'll take the Nittany Lions uh, on the money line, and uh, I'll take the points. Uh, I like Penn State to win this football game. Gabe, a game that I really like is TCU and Iowa State. Iowa State ranked for the first time since 2005. They're plus eight in turnover margin. Ames is a very difficult place to play. They're coming off a 208 rushing yard performance in Lubbock. I think it continues at home today. I'm calling for the close victory, 28-23 to over uh, Kenny Hill and the crew later today. How do you see it playing out? Yeah, you're speaking my language uh, here. You're speaking my language, uh, Joe. And just one one quick note, too, about Urban Meyer's numbers. You know Penn State 14-1-1 against the spread uh, since they lost to Michigan last year? Uh, I don't, you know, I'm not a math uh, major, but I think that's pretty good, 14-1-1 uh, and one and one against the spread. So we're talking about all these dominant coaches against the spread. People want to, uh, gamblers in Vegas want to build a statue uh, of Tom Herman because of his dominance as an underdog. Well, I'll tell you what, Matt Campbell isn't all that far behind with his dominance as an underdog. I love Matt Campbell at Toledo. Um, you know, the youngest coach at the time in NCAA football has done a great job here in Ames. And, you know, Iowa State used to be that team that, you know, you better be careful. They might be able to cover. They're going to give you all that they can handle. No, no, now now they're in the conference championship picture. And it's amazing, isn't it, guys? You know, we us analysts and handicappers, we think we know everything. You know, quarterback leaves the team. Oh, they're in big trouble. They're 31-point uh, underdogs. And, um, you know, it's lit a fire under this football team. TCU, I'm going to admit, TCU, I've lost money betting against TCU a couple of times this year, believing that Ken Hill is going to struggle, believing that, um, you know, that that offense is going to struggle and that inconsistent Ken Hill that we've seen over the years is going to rear his ugly head. This is a great defensive team. And remember the old days, guys, when TCU and Boise State used to have that Mountain West Conference uh, rivalry and uh, Boise, oh, they would always lose because one of their kickers would always miss. <laughs> but remember the old days, TCU was built on defense. They weren't uh, Andy Dalton's team and everything. They weren't an explosive offensive team. And then, you know, the Big 12, TCU sort of got caught up in this track meet shootout style of football. If you notice... They've sort of gotten back to the roots a little bit. TCU is a very good defensive football team with a ton of freaking talent on the defensive side of the football. Uh, but this this game is a trap. Uh, you know, out of all these teams, we're going to get to Notre Dame. We're going to get to the Florida game. I believe that two of these teams are going to lose today. All right, and I think TCU could be one of them. I think they're going to have their hands full. I think this game's going to be a real fun football game, Big Twelve style. Uh, you know, mid-America heartland. I'm looking forward to this one. I've got to take the live dog here. Matt Campbell is a genius against uh, the spread as an underdog. Dominant numbers. Give me the Iowa State Cyclones plus the points. Gabe, great information. We'll get you on next hour. We'll break down some other 12, 3.30, and 8 o'clock games a little bit later. I'm seeing big line movement in one of the big ones too, guys, so we'll get you caught up to date with that. He's all over West Virginia with you. And well, I know you're smirking. Iowa I know you're State smirking. Was, I was not smirking. smirking. The chair. No, you're I was smirking. not smirking. You're smirking. No, he loves Iowa State, and, I, and that, that, that's that got to really, make you feel good because when I, when I see Gabe Morenci having like his eyes widen, he starts to get excited. 
I'm like, that could be a hot pick right now. All of a sudden, I'm, I'm telling you, I, I, I'm all I, over the Cyclones I now. feel Matt Campbell's going to be playing with house money here. He's going to be aggressive. Not I don't a know lot about of people. house money. I disagree with that because he's now in a different territory. I like understand, I said, but there's he, no pressure on this team. There's no pressure on ranked, Iowa State in this matchup. for the first time in 12 years. Now they're under the microscope. I'm not saying they, they're going to wilt under the pressure, Joe, but th- I think there is pressure because now people are paying attention to Iowa State. This is not... Two and three Iowa State getting 13 points, and you're like, eh, you know what? Nobody's paying. No, people are paying attention to Iowa State. Iowa State is now a thing this week because they're ranked, ranked for the first time in 12 years. So I think there is a fair, they're under the microscope. There's more pressure than there's been in Ames in a very long time. In order to get an upset, for me, I look at teams that are solid in rush defense, Iowa State holding opposing offenses to 120 rushing yards per game, and you need to force turnovers. Cyclones enter this matchup, plus eight in turnover margin, TCU plus four. So they do have the advantage. Plus David Montgomery in the short to intermediate passing game, I mean, they only passed for 192 two yards last week, but they didn't have to because of the strength of the offensive line. Joe, it's more than Matt Campbell. He has assembled a very good coaching staff as well. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other games later today. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live from Studio 34, Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Playing daily fantasy basketball this year? Consider Daily Roto your go-to resource. Whether you play on DraftKings or FanDuel, Daily Roto's customizable projections, podcasts, strategy guides, and lineup optimizer will help you compete with the pros in a fraction of the time. With a team featuring millionaire maker winners and live final champions, there's no better place to get your NBA DFS content. Better yet, you can save 10% using the promo code FNTSY. So go to DailyRoto.com premium and learn more about our awesome products. Rapid fire picks. Let's jump right into it. Pac-12 battle, Washington State, Arizona. Cougars coming off a dominating home shutout win over Colorado. I think it continues against Khalil Tate later today, Rich. Just not sold on the consistency of this Arizona State uh, Arizona team later I, today. I really like this game. Do I mean, I, I do because you have such offensive firepower. Luke Falk on the Washington State side. You mentioned Khalil Tate for Arizona. He's been a revelation. But there's now tape on Tate. And Washington State has a very small, athletic, aggressive defense. They get to sideline to sideline very quickly. You mentioned the shutout of Colorado. I like Washington State because Arizona has a defense that gives up a ton of yards against Washington State. That's a that's a rough matchup for the Wildcats. Yeah, those, Fun game, though. Fun and entertaining. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the running backs of Washington State take this game over. It is a, a 10-30 start, I think, a little bit later today. You're calling for a double-digit win. I think they dominate this matchup 14 uh, I'll points say or more. A cover but I think it's a back-and-forth game. I, I could see Washington State winning this one 47-40, that tw- type of a game. Another 12 o'clock game is Texas on the road in Waco to face Baylor. Baylor played very well last week. They did go for two, did not get it, and they lost that game in Waco to uh, West Virginia and Will Greer, 38-36. to Sam Ellinger not going to play. It is Shane Bouchelle. 
I like the way Matt Rule has this team playing. I don't think they win, but I, I could see them covering this number a little bit later. At this point, it wouldn't shock me. I'm taking Texas simply because they have the best unit in this game, Joe. The defense of Texas has been outstanding, holding Oklahoma State to just 13 points in overtime last week. Listen, if Texas is going to get that horrible offense on track, this would be the week to do it. Baylor has been struggling defensively, very bad on defense, run defense, pass defense. Texas with Bouchelle would have a shot. I see a big game for Chris Warren. I'll say Texas covers this one. Here's a best bet of yours. It is Utah on the road in Outson Stadium. Justin Herbert might play. He's been banged up. Oregon has not looked good in recent weeks. Their inability to stretch defenses vertically. They did win this ball game last year, but I feel the more complete team is Utah. Not a best pick of mine, but I'm just not sold on the physicality on the offense and defensive lines of Oregon in this matchup. Let's not forget that Utah, before for the the horrible loss to Arizona State, they hung with Stanford. They almost beat USC, had a two-point conversion attempt to beat USC at the Coliseum. It fell short. So Utah's a quality football team, physicality, absolutely. What I didn't like last week, whether Herbert plays or not, is the offensive line of Oregon, which I had a lot of hope for, got completely dominated by a UCLA defense that neither you nor I like at this point. So the offensive line is struggling, even if Herbert does come back. How rusty is he after not playing for the better part of a, w- a month with a collarbone injury? So I like Utah to bounce back with a victory. I agree with that. Here's a game I really like. It's Michigan State on the road in Ryan Field, Northwest. And this is a Northwestern defense over the last five games that is holding opposing offenses to 94.8 rushing yards per game. They got the gutty win over Iowa last week. You look at Michigan State, they do have Penn State on deck. And more importantly, over the last four games, Michigan State has converted 17 of 57 third down conversions 29 percent i like northwestern at home i think they get a close victory but i do feel northwestern does pick up this victory later today could not agree with you more i think this is a bad fit for michigan state they've been playing with fire over the past couple of weeks winning with defense but that offense has been struggling badly lots of drop passes they were fortunate to escape last week with a close victory at home. I think they go down on the road. Northwestern has gradually turned it around around that defense. They have enough offense with Clayton Thorson and Justin Jackson, the running back. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Here's another game. Louisville on the road against Wake Forest. A best bet of mine. Louisville has won the last three by 16 points per game. I like Louisville. I agree. I think you'll win this one as well, Joe. When we come back, we'll be breaking down the other top 25 battles. Keep it where it is. Joe Lisi, Rich Sermonello, live on the Fantasy Sports Radio Network. 